welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. Scripture this morning to... Uh, the book of Thessalonians. If you're not familiar with uh, with that, familiar with the Bible, Thessalonians is a book, two books that Paul wrote, first and second Thessalonians. And in every every chapter in um, in the first book, he talks about the coming of the Lord. It's woven throughout everything he says to them. And the uh, the city of Thessalonica is in present day. Uh, it's it's. In Macedonia, it's in that area, and uh, it was a very thriving city. They were a Greek city, primarily not Jewish speaking. The gospel came there. You can read this backstory to it in the book of Acts, chapter, I believe it's 16 and 17. It's one of those chapters. And Paul had preached there for only three weeks, that's all, just three weeks in the, that he spent in the synagogue on the Sabbath expounding the way of the Lord. And they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they received it with great joy. But what it meant, uh, what it meant was that in that city of Thessalonica was a very bustling, prosperous time. But they had allegiance to um, the God, that, a particular God, and Caesar was his name, to the supreme ruler. That's what they named as, so does their patron saint. And that, that city would not tolerate uh, any other God that declared itself to be the one true God. They would tolerate n- numerous religions, but that no one could declare that. And for the Christians who declared and who experienced Jesus Christ as Lord, what that meant is that they were cut off from business uh, business deals. They were ostracized. And Paul writes to them, uh, having, knowing, having in mind that he'd only been there for three weeks, he wanted to see how they were doing. And he wrote to encourage them because there was always the prospect of false teachers, if you would, false doctrine coming through and, and sort of introducing ideas that would take them away from the purity of faith in the Lord Jesus. And um, we've developed this series called Thrive because when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the values of his kingdom, which are eternal and give life and they're righteous and they're pure and they satisfy our soul and there's an abundant way of living that God has for us, they often come in clash with the values of the day that we live in. The things that would be thought unthinkable just just a generation ago are absolutely, it's almost like the coin of the realm today. And so uh, we, we have shared this word with you, and today is Thrive, it's final advice, strength and honor. Uh, how many have gone away to college at some point in your life? Let me see your hand. Or how many have, how many have served in the service, in the military? Let me see your hand. And you departed. 
from somewhere, a bus station, a train station, wherever it was, and uh, you could recall those days. I remember when I went to college, we were living in New Jersey, and I was going to Southeastern University at Lakeland, and the first time I drove down there, I had a 1967 banana yellow fastback Chevrolet two-door with black leather seats. I really thought I was something else. And uh, anyway, it worked for me. Um, but I'll never forget my parents uh, at that parting prospect, uh, final advice. They wanted to get it all in. Be careful. Take care of yourself. Remember how you're raised. You, you, how many you know what I'm talking about? My dad was never a big hugger, but he would say, here, here, Paul, here's some money. Just, to, you know, you never know what you're going to run into, you know, just sort of quiet and take this. And, of course, I'd never take it back. Uh, I'd always have new laundry done and hanging up on hangers. And, and then in, in our family's fashion, a cooler full of homemade food. That's just, you know, travel well, you know. And they'd put things in there. I don't know where they thought I was going to cook it, steaks and everything else, because all we're allowed was a hot plate, no refrigerators, no, they didn't even have microwaves back in that day, but, but it was that parting, just, and, and they were, they're, you know, you're going out the door, and they said, now, now just remember, 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 anyone walk through those, you know what I'm talking about, and Paul comes to the end of this, uh, the end of the book, uh, Thessalonians, and it's final advice. And it's like, he's got to get it all in. He doesn't know that he's going to write another book to them. And it too would talk about the coming of the Lord, just like 1 Thessalonians does. And I call this strength and honor, final advice to thrive, final advice to a spiritual dad so they could thrive in following the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read this, we're going to uh, read some scripture with you this morning. The first I want to share with you is the first 11 verses that you can follow along and or just watch. It's going to pop up on the screen. Now, concerning how and when all this will happen, and this is a, a little bit of a different version than what you have there, but that's, that's okay. We don't really need to write to you, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin, and there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to the darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. That's the hope, hope of our salvation, the confidence. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him 
forever. Man, I like that word. How about you? Forever. Yeah, death, death is not, it's both an end and it's also a door that opens up to the rest of eternity. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. In the bulletin, there's a thing, sermon notes. I encourage you to take those and fill that out and read those. Yesterday, we were at, a, at an equip conference, and uh, I just took several notes and went over them last night, went over them again this morning. The Word of God is so powerful. It's so life-giving, and it's worth hearing and meditating on more than one time. So the first thing is strength. Paul says, strength, not fear when the Lord comes. Strength rather than fear at the thought of his coming. Because it's our blessed hope in these tumultuous times, a certainty, not a rumor, not a hope, but a certainty. To be absent from the body means, is that me? Is that I? No, okay, good, all right. That's scary. I've been in places where the speaker said, everyone silence your cell phone, then it goes off and they can't find it, you know, that's really cool. But the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. But he's coming like a thief in the night. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, 28, he came the first time to bear the sins of many, but he will appear the second time for salvation, ultimate salvation. But Paul said, you don't have to worry and determine when, but he will come and it will come like a thief in the night. Not to worry, but to trust. That's our strength. We're not in the dark. That's our hope. Thief in the night. It never ceases to amaze me, particularly with young athletes who've got a great contract and they've made the team. Perhaps it's on the Ravens, for instance. We've had several, and it's not just the Ravens, but several. Young athletes. And the next thing you know, a headline will appear that such and such star was found 3.30 in the morning with a $100,000 automobile wrapped around a tree under the influence of drugs or alcohol. No good thing. They've been partying late, out with the wrong crowd, and their life just sort of melts away that time. How many know there's very, there, nothing good happens after 12 o'clock at night except sleep? How many know that? Yes. So Paul says, we are children of the day, not children of the light. So I said to Daniel this past week, because we have these new dimmable lights, I said, when I, when I come up to speak or meet and greet, turn the lights on. Right? Turn the lights on, because I like to see people. And I said, when we meet and greet, we want to be able to see each other, you know. And, and I said, well, that's biblical. The Bible says we're children of the light. So, right? So, that's what we do. And, and in a few weeks, by the way, we're going to have shades here. 
that they're, they're remote, and then when the sun's out, guess what I'm going to do when I'm preaching? They're going to go up. Amen. All right. Okay. All right. But the Lord is coming like a thief in the night. But when he comes for us as a follower of Jesus Christ, and we, we are either a follower of Jesus Christ or we're not a follower of Jesus Christ. And between now and then, it's his kindness and his patience that leads us to repentance because he's not willing that any would perish. There's a lot at stake. But when he comes, he comes for salvation rather than wrath or a sentence. Salvation rather than a sentence. Now, there's different theologians have looked at this and it's split. I happen to believe, I happen to believe God's word that says we're not appointed for wrath, but we're appointed for salvation as the bride of Jesus Christ. I believe the church will not go through the great tribulation. The great tribulation is known as the great and terrible day of the Lord. We have been saved for salvation. All right. Now, if you, if you want to believe we're going through the tribulation, that's, that's okay. I'm I'm, that, that's your preference. But we are the bride of Jesus Christ. We have been saved for salvation. We have not been appointed for the wrath of God, but for salvation. And I fell in love with my wife. I would do anything then and now to protect her. And he's coming back for us. How many know that? He's coming back for us. We believe in what the Bible teaches, that he's descending. Those that have passed away, Bob Ballantyne, this, this hit me pretty hard this morning. I, I just love these men. I love these guys that are, you know, they just soldiered on is all I know. And I talk with them, and it's just so good visiting them. just hit me. But one day, if the Lord tarries, uh, the Lord is going to come. The Bible says with, with all who have gone before, he's going to come, come, and with a mighty voice, and the dead in Christ will be rise, raised to meet him in the air, and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together, and so we'll, we'll, we will be forever and ever with the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. So the next time I see Bob, it's going to be face to face but in that land of unspeakable light and love and purity and joy. And that's our hope. And so the Word of God says this, that in, we, to live, we should be clear-headed, clear-headed living, protected by heavenly armor, faith, hope, love, not drunk or asleep at night. And then God's Word says comfort and encouragement and building up, that's what these words are for. And so, so when this afternoon, when we're with Carol and the family, it's going to be my privilege to pray with them and to encourage them in the Lord, praise God. This is real, folks. This is where it really comes home. The second thing Paul wrote about, and I phrased it this way, honor up, honor down, and honor all around. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you 
and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Honor up, honor down, honor, honor, honor all around. Say that 10 times real quickly. I, yeah, all right. But honor reaps favor and more honor. When we honor people up, down, and all around, and when we honor God, we sow seeds of honor and we reap a harvest of honor that comes to our lives and we reap the favor of God and also the favor of people. I want to I say something to you that I was so, I was just really proud of, of grace and, and you all. And so we've got, we've, we've got all the subcontractors that are here. And it's, they're really, they're, they're good. And there's not been a bunch of drama and things like this. So I was out Wednesday night and they're digging these trenches out front or out, out back. It's, isn't it weird in church we call, when we come in, we call that the front? How many know that's the front door? But when I say everyone go out back, that you know what I'm saying. We call the front, and then when we get in here, then we reverse it. So the front becomes the back, and the back becomes the front. No wonder we're confused. So anyway, I was out back, even though if you drive in, people think that's the front. So anyway, I was out there. And they had their big excavator, and they're digging things, and so the, the big old burly truck driver, he's there. I'm talking with him, you know. And yeah, he said, boy, this is really something, you know. He said, you mu there must really be a good congregation here. And I said, yeah, yeah. And he said, uh, look how big this thing is. And, and he said, you don't see this often very much, you know. And, he's, and I, I don't think he's a church guy, but I want to invite him. You know what I'm saying? So then we're talking, and, and he's going on. He said, yeah, the building superintendent, he said, he just brags on you guys all the times and says, what a great bunch that you are to work with. So give your help, yourself a hand. Isn't that good? I mean, I think it's terrific. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the reputation that we have because honor reaps more honor, see? And it reaps favor. In fact, if we're going to, we'll put this up, Exodus 20, 12. Uh, and Exodus 20, 12 is, re, is re, this phrase is repeated here several times in the Bible. But it says, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you. And in the land, right? And Paul wrote about it. And to Ephesians, he said, honor your parents, your mother and father will go well with you, that you live long, and God, God's blessing will be on you. So honor's the key. And then 1 Samuel chapter 2, 30, the Lord declares, for those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. And so here's the first thing, honor up. And I don't like preaching about myself. But what this is to me, it's a challenge to me, 
And he said, honor those leaders who work hard, who care for you and admonish you. The work of the ministry, Paul wrote about this in the second chapter. He said, I was with you like a nursing mother. How many remember that? Nursing mother. Okay. I took care of you. I held you close. But then he went on and said, but I was with you like a father. And moms approach their nurturing. Dads want their kids to grow up, and we realize how tough the world is, so we want to toughen them up a little bit. Did anyone say amen? You know, yeah. And so there's a natural tension there. It's good. It's all good, you know. It's all good. You need this muscle, the bicep, working against the tricep to have strength. How many know that? That's just, you need that. I mean, but Paul said, honor those who work hard, who care for you, and for those who admonish you. I can tell you one of the things that I, that I dislike the most, one of the things I, that, I dislike the, that I dislike is having to admonish people. I, I don't like that. I don't enjoy it. In fact, it's scary if someone likes doing that. I may know that. Some people get off on yelling at people. Yeah, some preachers get off at yelling at people. And uh, wow, they spit, foam, rant. And I just want to see if they'd do that if they'd come out from behind the protection of this pulpit. You know what I'm saying? God never intended the pulpit to be a bulletproof vest to hide behind or a bullet pulpit, but it's to be an instrument of transparency. And I, I also want to encourage you this, that sometimes you have to admonish fellow brothers or sisters in the body of Christ. How many know that? Don't leave it all up to me. I don't want to be the bad guy all the time. I want to be people's pastor. How many of you know what I'm talking about, okay? A, a mark of maturity on a team is when someone does something that's not right that the other team members will come and they will admonish them themselves and say, hey, this is not how we do things. Or, hey, you know, they, it's, We, we, need, we have to move beyond second grade. How do I remember second grade? I remember second grade, Mrs. Smith. She was my dearest teacher. I love Mrs. Smith up in Maine. I loved her so much, I caught a little brook trout that was this long, and we fried it up, and I wrapped it in wax paper and took it to Mrs. Smith and put it on her thing. I just loved her. You know, I acted so good for her. Then I got to Mrs. Ames. Oh, my goodness. She was a grizzly bear. She brought out the worst in me. <laughs> but kids would tattle all the time. Do you know what Polly, they used to call me, you know what Polly did, you know? And to, or do you know what Roger did? They'd run to the teacher, and then she'd put you in timeout. Or, I mean, it was terrible, you know? And I honest, I was in timeout a lot as a kid. You wouldn't believe it, but it was terrible. I mean, they locked me in the closet, locked me in the bathroom, took me to the principal. I mean, it, I was just absolutely incorrigible. And that I'm a testimony that God's in control. That's all I can say. 
But then Paul said, honor all around. Be patient with one another. Be patient and warn the lazy. The lazy. There is a place for you and for me as a brother or sister in the body of Jesus Christ that it's our responsibility to warn somebody. Be patient with people. Love people. Come alongside. But I don't want to hear everyone's faults. Could someone say amen? Just, I need some encouragement here. I don't want to think bad of everyone in the church. I don't. Because we're all human. But the ball is in your, the baton is in your hands. The Bible says, Paul wrote for you to warn them. Is there another amen anywhere? (laughs) All right, okay. This is what God's word says. But then we're to honor down. Encourage the timid. Take care of the weak, the vulnerable, the discouraged. The measure of a church, the measure of an individual is not is not only counted as how many people of influence they have, but how they reach out and encourage the timid and they take care of the weak. Because in God's kingdom, everyone is valuable and has a place at the table. Everyone. I got a I got something Bonnie Moore gave to me this morning. It's just a little blessing. And uh, she come up, she handed it to me. Let's see if I can have it. Bonnie, keys, car, pocket knife. Let's see. Here it is. This little thing. It said, Pastor. First Thessalonians. One, two, and three. Isn't that nice? Yeah, sort of made my day. I want people to know me, that I've worked hard, that I've cared, but on it, but honestly, but I'm straight. There's a time to admonish. Paul said. This goes all the way around, up, all around and down. Take care of the weak. This coming week, we're going to have an opportunity to take care of someone who's in a, not in a good place, Carol Ballantyne. Not in a good place. Married about 50 years. It's just not a good place. But God's, how many know that God will bless us as we reach down? as much as we reach up. The third thing that he says is to honor God's will. Imagine a life of joy, of relationship and thankfulness. Honor is the key. So Paul wrote these words in verse 16. He said, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. 
Deuteronomy 26, 18 to 19 talks about how God wants to put honor on his people. We'll show that. The Lord has today declared you to be his people, a treasured possession, as he promised you, and that you should keep all of his commandments, and that he will set you on high above all nations, which he has made for praise, fame, and honor, and that you shall become a consecrated people to the Lord your God as he has spoken. And what, what that means, friends, is that the bride of Jesus Christ is God's treasured possession. We don't serve an abusive God that we have to be in a codependent relationship with. Treasured possession. Today, he declares that we are the people of God. Bought with a price. Called us out of darkness to declare his marvelous deeds. Now, I understand the context of this. He was talking to, uh, it was Moses calling out the Israelites, that they're the people of God. But do you know that you and I are an extension of that called the people of God? How many know that? That's what the scripture declares us to be. And the end game is this. I just want to back up. Some are saying, oh, pastor, you're there, you're, you better be careful. You're talking, name it, claim it. You're taking stuff out of context. No, I'm not taking anything out of context. God's plan for his people is that they would be a light, a city set on a hill, that we would declare and shine forth the goodness of our God. See, when my wife goes to Talbot's and she comes back and she tells me what she bought, I don't say a whole lot. It doesn't do any good. No, she's really so, she's very frugal, you know, always sales and, you know, this, that. And she comes back with this, that, and the other. But that's her style. She likes Talbots. She looks good in Talbots. Right? I, I don't want her barefoot, dragging around, broken down, teeth missing. You know, you know what I'm saying? Bald. We can afford for her to have teeth. We can afford for her to have shoes, clothes. You know, God loves you in his church. Do you know that? Listen, he wants to bring honor, honor, fame. Not fame so that it's us. If you're looking for that kind of fame and honor, go, go on American Idol, go on The Voice. If you can't get on The Voice, go to the karaoke bar and make a total fool of yourself, all right? That's not what God's talking about, but he loves us. And when we honor God, when we honor God, when we love him, God brings honor and favor upon the people of God. And the end game of this all is, where this is all going, 
that one day there's a new heavens and a new earth and the people of God will live for him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Praise his name. Amen. And so he says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all situations. Joy comes from the wells of our salvation. So honor God's will. I heard yesterday that if there's something in your life that's bothering you and it's not worth praying about, it's not worth worrying about. Did you catch that? If there's something in your life that's causing you worry, but it's not worth praying about, it's not worth worrying about. We don't have to worry by ourselves. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. He cares what you're going through. He cares about your future. He cares about what's happening with our children. He cares about that. But how we cast our cares on him, we come, we cast our care through prayer. Taking all our needs to him in prayer. In fact, I heard this is that if we have worries and we don't pray, that's actually a form of atheism in that situation because we're saying that God doesn't count or can't do anything about that situation. So he said, pray without ceasing. Tonight, as we call on the Lord, we believe that God is going to be there as he's moving in people's lives. Honoring God fortifies our life and brings God's favor on us. I heard another illustration I, I want to share with you. It was about a king cab driver, a king crab, or a, a, a guy that drove a tractor trailer with these sleepovers. You, you've seen them, right? The sleepover cabs that they have, they're big. Uh, my uncle was an over-the-road trucker, and they had sleepover things, and, and but, um, yeah, really nice. I mean, like refrigerators, and I don't know what all is in there, but it's, you're on the road three weeks at a time. Uh, that you, that's, your, that's where you live. And so this guy's going across the Mojave Desert. So a hitchhiker's going across the Mojave Desert, has a backpack on, and he, start, he's gonna, he thinks he's going to walk across this, but it's 120 degrees in the blazing sun. And it's dawning on him, uh, he's, I'm not going to do this. I can't do it. So he sticks his thumb out and he starts hitchhiking. And uh, by and by, a tractor-trailer rig comes up and brr, brr, pulls over and says, hey, buddy, come on in. Get in. Hop in. I'll, you know, there's only one road. You're all... You're, you know, you're going to get closer where you go. And the guy gets in, and the driver says to him, hey, you look really thirsty. There, have whatever drink you want in there, water, soda, whatever you want, it's there. It's all yours. Just relax. The air condition's cold, and the tea is sweet. That's what they like in the South, cold air, sweet tea, right, and fried food. I don't know if they had fried food or not. But anyway, that's the three staples of the Southern diet that we learned when we lived in North Carolina and went to school at Southeastern University. So the guy is doing it, and he's kicked back. And then after a while, the, the truck driver says, well, you, hey, why do you still have that backpack on? It's on your back. Guy says, "Well, I just, I just don't want to lay it down. I'm, I'm afraid. I just, I don't know. Something's going to happen to it. And the guy says, nothing's going to happen to it. It's okay. And he didn't want to lay it down. And it's like that with us and the Lord. We believe that He can carry us along, 
but our worries and our things that suck our joy, we don't want to turn that over to the Lord in prayer. It's okay to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus, and the Lord just says to you today, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. Come unto me, all you that are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that comes about as we honor the Lord's will in our life. And then honor the Spirit or live like people of the Spirit. It's our lifeline. Paul writes, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Don't quench or throw water on the Spirit. Friends, we need the Spirit of God. We need God's Spirit. We can't do it on our own, but the Spirit brings life. Don't despise prophetic utterances. Uh, God has a way of taking what we don't understand and using it in people's lives. Um, it's, uh, but there, there has to be balance and life and order to it. And that's why, that's why 1 Corinthians 14 was written, because there were prophetic utterances in the church. People were speaking in tongues, but Paul said, when that happens, this is the way it's supposed to, we're, that's the way it's supposed to do so that the Lord will be glorified and people, people will come under the influence of the Spirit and come to Him and test everything and hold fast to what is good. Test everything and hold fast to what is good. Um, every so often, there's someone that claims that they're a spiritual prophet and they predict the end of the world. How many of you have heard some dates? Yeah. You've heard some dates, you know. Well, uh, Paul said, don't worry about setting the dates and times, okay? But he said, but test everything and then hold fast to what is good. So whenever I read something or hear, hear some guy get on, you know, have a platform to declare that the Lord is coming October 21st, uh, 2001 or Y2K, I just say, well, I know the Lord's not coming that day, Right? You're not going to box God in a corner. No one knows. But test it. But if the Lord speaks, we say, yes, that's right. We're going for it. Uh, yesterday, the speaker came up to me, and he said, Paul, how you doing? And, and his dad was actually the one who had did the initial interview to hire me and when I was in Springfield, Missouri. And his dad was, at that time, had been general, he was general superintendent for about 12 years, and I, and so that he wouldn't hire me um, until he met personally with me. And how many know that could be intimidating? You know, that's like if you're in the army, that's the top general, and the guy, I was a nobody. And so that I went up to Valley Forge, and they said, drive up there, he wants to meet you, and I'll never forget. So what he did, he gave me a hug, and he kissed me on both cheeks, and then slapped me like that, you know. That's just the way he was. He said, come, let's talk, you know. And so we went up to the president's office and we talked. And there was a meeting. There, there was just, there was sort of their kindred spirit. But his son, who was the speaker yesterday, came to me and, and he said, and he, you know, he just said, how's the church doing, man? And he said, I think about you and yada, yada, yada. And, and I just said, Brad, God is so good. I... <laughs> I never would have believed 
a few years ago that I would see this day that I'm living in right now. I never would have believed it. That God would privilege me. He'd privilege grace. He'd bring us to a place of strength and vision. And so I told him, we're building, and this is what we're doing, and we thank God for what God is doing. That was a word from the Lord. That was a word from the Lord that I had to test and share with people. But when we said, that's it, we said, we're going to hold fast, and we're going for this thing. Praise God. And that's how God works in our life, isn't it? And he has a word for you, and he has a word for you. He wants to give you good things in your life. Test it, hold fast for what God has. And then finally, live in the strength of his promise. Verse 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. The Lord is faithful. God is faithful. This past week, uh, a musician that many of the musicians know, Andre, and, and his wife, and I'm sharing this because she shared it on Facebook, and I, I've grown to really love, lo- appreciate this young couple in the Lord, and to meet his dad. His dad's a pastor and just a humble man. <sighs> It was only, uh, I don't know, three or four weeks ago that Andre came to me and he said, Pastor Paul, I want to share something with you. We're going to have a baby. He said, we've been trying for nine years that we're going to have a baby. And his dad, who doesn't speak English very well, but, oh, man, he's so good. He's just so good. And I went up to him and congratulated. He's beaming from ear to ear, you know, and. Andre got in touch with me this this week. He said, Pastor Paul, I want to tell you something. He said, I got an appointment, and Bethany has an appointment, and it doesn't look good. Here they lost the baby. They lost the baby. So I I talked with the granddad and said, man, we're just with you, because they were so excited, you know, the first one that's coming. And, uh, but this is what they said, God is still good. He's still good. When I see Carol Ballantyne this afternoon, I know there's going to be tears, but I know she's going to say, God is still good. And Paul wrote this word. He said, he's able to keep you. He's able to keep you. He's able to present us blameless at his coming. In Jude 24 and 25, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, with great joy. I just want to say to whom much has been forgiven, their joy I just think is going to be greater. I just believe that. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Praise God. That's the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Paul says, 
His final advice, strength and honor. You don't have to fear the coming of the Lord. Live in the strength of it. It's coming, but we're going to be present with the Lord. Honor up. Honor down. Honor all around. Honor God's will. Honor the Spirit. And live in the strength of His promise. He will present you and me one day blameless at His coming. All of us. Just imagine. Just imagine. We stand before the Lord, God. And the, and the enemy, enemy of our life called the accuser of the brethren. I don't know if he's going to be there. I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't know. But I can imagine if he has opportunity, he's going to step up to accuse me. And Jesus Christ, my Savior and elder brother, is going to say, just hold it just a minute. I've been at work in his life. And yes, what you say is true. He did those things, but he loved me. He fell. He fell, but he fell forward. He fell in a way, and he reached his hand, and I was able to pick him up. And what counts right now is that I present him blameless to my heavenly Father. Well done, good and faithful servant. Could someone say amen? That's the promise that we have between here and then. And we love the Lord for it. Praise his name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment. Heavenly Father, in the strong and powerful name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. Lord, I believe that there are several people here today that you have spoken to with a word of encouragement. Lord, your word has shed light to their path. In Jesus' name, and we love you for it. We bless you for it. I pray, Lord, this morning that as we reach out to you, that our lives will be flooded with your presence. Lord, if anyone has need, let him ask of the Lord who gives all men liberally. Church, right now, if there's a need in your life, you can ask your Heavenly Father who loves you, your Heavenly Father that loves you. The Spirit is at work. He's here. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we call it done. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Usher team, would you come? Church, would you stand? We're going to start worshiping.